This struck me, you know, quite a lot regularly. Um, why do we do this? Actually, why do we, you know, some people sit and a few people stand and, you know, I spout forth for uh, 20 or 30 minutes. And uh, why do we do that? And uh, I've sort of had this picture, really, of a preaching. It's a bit like being a chef. And my hope is that I'm going to serve up something that's tasty but wholesome. Um, but always, you know, I do my bit, um, but you've got a bit to do when someone prepares a meal. You've got a choice. You can just look at it, think, oh, looks interesting, looks nice. You can taste a little bit, sort of a little nibble, sort of, okay, okay, might be nice, might not be, just sort of have a little taste. You can make it a meal and you can really take it in as sustenance. You can go away, learn the recipe and serve it up for your friends. So my challenge to you this morning is don't just take this as entertainment. If you're looking for entertainment, there are better places. Um, you know, I'm good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> So to help me, and uh, perhaps more, and to help you, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Being sat at your feet is the best place. God, and my desire this morning is the words that you've given me will become life and nourishment to us all. Holy Spirit, would you help me remember and, and express all that you've put in my heart from your heart? And would you help each of us have ears to hear and life flowing from it? Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Oh, here we go. Technology. So yes, so I've, um, I've been a, a Jesus lover for 37 years now, and uh, it's, uh, it's great. And, and more and more, as, as time goes on, things get simpler and simpler in one sense. Um, and, and really just that living life, loving God, being myself, and seeing God make me look like a genius perhaps sums everything up. I think when we have that place where we just know who God's made us to be, we know the favor of the Father, and we just slot in with his plan for our life, and we see what happens around us, that's, uh, that's a good place to be. So, uh, so I just remember there was someone else we were wanting to, to welcome. Our very newest visitor is Josiah Spivey. Welcome. <laughs> Three. So I was thinking that while I sat there, but then, then I forgot. So welcome. That's great. That's great. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is my this is my sort of dream, and you know, like all of it, it's it's a dream, and I'm living my dream, but I want to live it more and more. Um, but Jesus summed this up, and someone asked Jesus, "What's the greatest commandment?" Um, and then in Matthew 22, he said, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind." This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, there are three people in there. Um, there's loving God, there's loving our neighbor, and there's loving ourselves. And everything I preach comes, comes out of that. And, and often we're, we're so other-focused, and we have the sense of duty, the sense of obligation. Sometimes that can come with a sense of guilt. Um, but unless it comes from this I'm first loved by God. And secondly, God has put something in me that I then have as a treasure store, and then out of that, I can love a hurting world. So this morning, we're gonna look at something that's picking an aspect at what God's been showing me. And uh, this is the third time I've preached in 10 weeks, um, which is very unusual to me. So, so actually, it's a mini-series. And so preachers get excited about, uh, about preaching a series, and this is the closest I've ever come to that. Um, but God's been speaking a lot to me about hope. 
Um, hope is the concept. It's great that it's the name of our church as well. Um, but just this thought that we live our life and we don't live our life in a bubble. So you can have that sort of a bit of a fluffy, oh, Jesus loves me, I'm loving myself, I'm reaching out to a hurting world. But life tends to creep up on us, doesn't it? And uh, we're not in a bubble. I just had this thought that you know, we, we could be shrink-wrapped at salvation and just stored safely until Jesus whisks us up into heaven. Um, but that's not as, and that, that would be horrible, wouldn't it? Um, but you know, life happens, we're not in a bubble. Circumstances come along, other people come along and, uh, and happen around us. We come along and we, and we mess up. And I was just thinking um, that of all these different things that can happen, and sadly all of them can be opportunities for disappointment. So what I'm talking to you this morning as I say, I've been looking at this concept of hope, and we looked about standing firm, we looked about hope being something that we can measure and what's the importance of hope, and today I'm calling this the toxic waste of disappointment, because um, disappointment happens. We disappoint ourselves, other people disappoint us, life can trip us up and we can get disappointed in God because he didn't do what we thought he'd do. But if you don't mind, I'm going to spend a bit of time just going back over the last two because I really feel that there is a, a theme. Um, I don't know, I think the saddest thing would be if we don't know who we are. That if we here don't know how amazing God has made us to be and, and we just trip along through life, you know, in the shadow of the, the amazing thing God's made us and, you know, that would be, that, that would be so sad, that would be a crime actually. Um, and, and so my part in sort of this tasty meal concept is actually comes with a bit of a, a sharp pointy stick, you know, come on, come on, don't you know who you are? Don't you realize what God's called you to? Don't you realize the amazing place that God has put you in so that you can be just the fantastic you that he's destined you to be and, and you can happen in such an amazing way. And so these are all things that I believe God's giving us as tools. And in some senses, I think, we can fall asleep, we can just sort of drift through life not realizing what God has got available for us. And so um, I started out with this holding on with expectation and uh, I, I love the Old Testament, the Bible stories. Um, and it's a bit of a challenge sometimes. So we, we read in um, Genesis 32 about Jacob. It's quite a challenge because our lives are utterly different from then. You know, most of the Bible characters were, were farmers, they were shepherds, you know, they had flocks of camels and goats and donkeys and sheep. They had several wives <laughs> and, uh, and many, many children. And it can be quite hard to translate, you know, how does that relate to, to our life today? And, and Jacob is, is such a character, and, you know, you can look at some of his choices and think, you know, how is that even in the Bible? But he was a man who was faithful, so he was sent back to the land of his ancestors to find a wife, came back with two. Um, he was there for many years, um, and his father-in-law was a bit of a trickster and was trying to get the best deal and said, well, you can work for your wives and you can work for some sheep, and he came back. So his wages, the Bible says, was changed 10 times. He was in adverse circumstances. He was away from his own family, gone back to where he didn't mean to be there for that long. Many, many years, and so much uncertainty but then eventually he gets, you know, gets released and he's coming back to the promised land, the back to the place that God had called him to. And he had seen, he had seen God bless him. But he's coming back knowing that the brother that he tricked way back then was now coming towards him with 400 armed men. 
And again, we can have upsets in our family, but how many of us have brothers with 400 armed men coming towards us? You know, but, but that place, and so the story in Genesis 32 is there in the middle of the night, he's sent his families and flocks ahead of him. He knows Esau's on his way, and he's there alone. He's in that vulnerable place, that place of uncertainty. What is gonna happen? You know, although it's not been the best time, I knew what I was doing, and God bless me. But now this is a transition to a totally different thing that I'm no longer familiar with. So there's a lot of uncertainty. He was on his own in the middle of the night. He prayed a great prayer, God, please bless me. But then he finds himself wrestling with a man all night long. What is this about? What have I done wrong? You know, just can imagine all the floods of questions. He was wrestling so hard and he wasn't giving up. The man, the angel, then dislocated his hip. You know, what on earth? What did, what, you know, why? Just all of those questions, that mystery, that not understanding. What on earth is going on? But all he knew to do was he held on. And so looking at that holding on, but it wasn't just a holding on to grim death. He was holding on with expectation. He was saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. And there's that expectation that whatever was happening here, there was an opportunity for blessing. But we also looked that it wasn't just commendable tenacity, that God had a bigger purpose. And we looked in James chapter one and those first couple of verses there. And I'll read, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So that was a trial, wasn't it? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So it wasn't just he held on and he got through. It wasn't survival mode. It was holding on. It was persevering, knowing that God was at work and God was doing something that could only be done in that mystery, only be done in that vulnerability, only be done in those moments where no one can explain why is this happening like it's happening. But nonetheless, God was in there and he had a choice because any struggle and test, you can sit down and give up. I'm not wrestling with this dude anymore. You know, or you can just hang on and can be convinced that a blessing is coming and that perseverance, expecting that God is at work. Because we're here in this, in this life and heaven is where Jesus is and we will go there and we will see him just as he is without any shadows and filters and you know what have you. But there are things that we can only do here that we won't be able to do there. The sacrifice of praise is only a sacrifice while we're here. There's only living in uncertainty and holding on with perseverance while we're here. When we're there, there'll be no uncertainty. It won't be a sacrifice to praise God. So the things, there are opportunities that we can grasp now things that we can do now that are here for us to do. It's not just survival mode. It's not just getting through this life until one day Jesus is gonna rescue me. There's a life we can live that is holding on with expectation of blessing, that's holding on, giving God praise by believing, even though I don't understand, I will trust you. So that's our conviction that God is at work. What's our attitude? How? is the environment that we live in while we hold on, as I say, is it just sort of grim determination, fingernails holding on, or are we expecting? Um, sorry, I've just got two, two ladies, both called Jan, one I'm married to, the other's a good friend, and they're grinning like maniacs at the frontiers. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, it's quite distracting, though. So, the second... <laughs> I'll stand over here. Um, the, uh, 
the second, the giggling as well, it's amazing. Um, so the second preach I did, um, I called Glistening with Hope. I think on the website it actually is hope and expectation, but Glistening with Hope, which is uh, a phrase I took from a book called The Three Battlegrounds by Francis Frangipani. Um, and, and I'm going to read this. Um, so The Three Battlegrounds is a great book, and if you feel you're battling, um, there are strongholds, there are things that you're just not pressing through on. Um, the Three Battlegrounds by Francis Frangipani is a really excellent book to study through. And he has this phrase, every area in your thinking that glistens with hope, glistens with hope in God is an area that's being liberated by Christ. But any system of thinking that does not have hope, which feels hopeless, is a stronghold which must be pulled down. And so I just said, you know, I just said about our hopeometer. How do we measure our hope? How do we know how much hope we're living in? And just, I love that word glistening. You know, glistening isn't sort of hidden below the surface. Glistening is just very obvious. You know, when you look at something, if it's glistening, it's a wow, look at that. You know, it's sparkling, it's shining, whatever other words you want to use. But something is glistening. And so we can look at areas of our thinking and say, do they glisten with hope? And just looking at that, not really to measure ourselves, and it's not sort of a point scoring, look at me, it's not really for condemnation, oh my word, not even a glimmer, let alone a glisten, um, but it's really just to identify areas that then we can look for God to move in, because my contention is that our hope is under attack, and this toxic waste of disappointment is one of the enemy's main strategies to squash our hope, and uh, so I've asked for this verse to be left up because I keep thinking there must be other verses that are my favorite verse, but definitely at the moment, this is my favorite verse in, in the Bible, Romans 15, verse 13. And I'm just very aware that this is written in the middle of Romans, a letter to the Roman churches, but Paul prayed for them, and the reason he paid, prayed for them is they needed it. Their hope was under attack, just like our hope can be under attack. And he prayed for them, but the elements of this, may the God of hope, God is hope, it's his nature, it's who he's made of. Just like God is love, God is hope, love and hope both intertwined. And that the God of hope, that God who has every hope and dream all fulfilled in him, will fill you with joy and peace in believing as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My translation uses the word abound. You get another word to you know, get your tongue rolling around, just abounding with hope, overflowing with hope. So that's a quick summary of uh, two different preachers. So looking then at disappointment, because you can't really talk about hope without talking about disappointment. Um, and uh, stuff happens, as we said at the beginning, that you know, things come along, we don't live in a bubble, people happen, we happen, we mess up, um, we disappoint ourselves perhaps more than anything else. Um, and other people will always be a challenge, and it's finding the delight. This is another thing we can only do here on earth, is we can choose not to be offended. Um, and uh, there's all these things that we can only do here. Um, let's, work, let's work at these things. So disappointment, there's a dictionary definition. Um, disappointment is the sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. So the things you hoped would happen, the things you thought would happen, the things you just... It's obvious, isn't it? Why didn't they? Why, why didn't they do that? I would have done that. Anyone would have done that. Why didn't they do that? And disappointment, because what you thought would happen didn't happen. happen. That, you know, just thinking back to the story of Jacob, how disappointed was he? He'd done everything he'd been asked to do. 
He'd gone back to his ancestors like his dad told him. He'd found a wife like his dad told him. He'd worked for his father-in-law like he'd been told to do. He'd come back to the promised land like God had called him. He'd done everything that he was supposed to do, and yet here he was, you know, just getting injured and, and wrestling all night long. Total confusion. What on earth is going on? An opportunity for disappointment. And it's... And I think I've written down here about disappointed in ourselves. Um, we were around seeing Johnny and Anna um, the other night and uh, just saying, I'm preaching on Sunday. They said, oh, are you going to use any examples? And um, I then thought, so when am I disappointed in myself? And how brave do I feel about really saying when I'm disappointed in myself from sort of you lovely people? Um, and uh, I, I think I have what um, you could call a bad memory. I, I choose to call it a good forgettery. Um, <laughs> I, I forget things very well, and, uh, and a lot of that's positive. I forget the bad stuff. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so, but on Friday, uh, I'm a, a GP, and I was dealing with a patient, and I did everything I should do. It, it was fine. It was, you know, all of a telephone consultation, dealing with results, not a very well old lady. But then through the night, that was Friday, through the night of Saturday morning, I woke up thinking, I could have gone the extra mile there. I just did what I had to do. It was Friday afternoon. I think I was in, you know, how long before home time mode. And I just became disappointed in myself that that was okay, but it wasn't great. And, uh, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a little thing like that, or whether it's something that you've done it again. This is it. You always do that. How come you've just messed up? Whatever it was, you've you opened your mouth and, you know, shredded someone. Why, do, you know, what is it? So the, these things that we do and then we regret, and we become disappointed in ourselves. And so stuff happens. In fact, Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. So we're definitely not shrink-wrapped for heaven. You know, even Jesus said, you know, you will have trouble. Um, and, and it is that, but that's a great verse actually, John chapter 16, verse 33. Because we can say, in this, life, in this life you will have trouble. And that can be the thing then, isn't it? Oh, okay, so trouble's coming. We've got to just make the best of it. But that's not all that Jesus said, and sometimes we only remember a part of the verse. So read the whole verse. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Um, and so that's almost like a, a sort of good bit, not so good bit, good bit, isn't it? And, and it really struck me... I, that several things in that verse are true. They're all true, that Jesus has come that we can have peace. Life is gonna bring stuff and cause us trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world. And so several things are true all at the same time. So I've sort of thought to this, and other people I'm sure, I've thought of this like truth with a big T or truth with a little T. And we've got to make sure that things are true, but do you have it as a, a big truth that dominates everything else, or little truth. And, and my contention is, is that if we keep the trouble that comes along as truth with a little t, but God loves us, God's for us, God's overcome the world as truth with a big t, then you get things in the right perspective. Because what's, in my sort of years as a Christian, what's been themes through various times is almost you deny the thing, you pretend that it's, oh, it didn't really happen, or you very quickly gloss over it. No, that did happen, and that was disappointing. But the bigger truth is God's for me, God's working in me, God's you know, grace is, is there between us. 
And so I, I wanted to sort of play with words a bit and look at what's disappointing and what's disappointment. Now, it is a play with words, they're both different words, but disappointing is an adjective. It describes something. It says it like it is. You know, that is how I feel. That is disappointing. Um, disappointment, the noun, seems to have much more of a sense of permanence, doesn't it? It sort of seems to land and, and you sort of camp around it. And, and, and this sense of, you know, even just thinking, I just had this picture of a delivery truck full of disappointments and the thing just backs up onto your newly prepared lawn or garden or whatever it is, backs up and tips a whole load of disappointments and it's just lying there, just like green goo, toxic waste, just bubbling and sizzling and killing everything in its path. And so just holding these two things, that things happen, they're real, you can't pretend it wasn't there, and be honest with yourself, this is disappointing. But a disappointing thing can move on. Disappointment tends to land and it kills everything around. So we've got to be careful that we make good choices. We've got to be careful that we don't live with toxic waste of disappointment killing our hopes and dreams, killing those fledgling things that we're beginning to see start and then disappointment comes and it's crushed everything. And we have a choice in those moments. Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And it's that challenge in the holding on, it's that challenge in the persevering as to when hope doesn't come immediately, how do you manage yourself? Because your hope deferred, the thing might be deferred, but your hope is something that you keep holding on for, you can keep looking to God to refresh. If the thing's deferred, that's one thing, but your hope being deferred is when disappointment has settled and then your heart becomes sick. It then becomes hard to believe. It then becomes hard to raise faith for, for anything. So being very important that we don't live with a toxic waste of disappointment. Proverbs 27, another one of my favorite verses, verse 13. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not in the way distant future, but here and now. That we can make a choice there. You can concentrate on the thing that might cause you despair or you can concentrate in your conviction, your hope that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so just sort of really saying this, just that things that are disappointing, it is true, but let's keep it as truth with a little t. The God who loves us, the God who's for us, the God who's got everything that we need is truth with a big t. So Disappointing, disappointment, stuff happens. Most of us are disappointed and there's a lot of disappointment around. What do you do? So I just want to, to look at this and just to sort of talk about what do we do when disappointment's either here or the truck is backing up and it's threatening to, to be delivered. Romans 5 verse 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint us, or some translations, hope does not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given us. And just like my Romans 15, 13 verse, there's something that we've got to get our conviction about, that hope is not dependent on circumstance. Hope is not determined by what we see around us. Hope is only in the nature of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what we do is we need to get our hopeometer tuned up. We need to start looking at areas of our thinking and say, in my thinking, are there areas that are not glistening with hope? Are there areas that I'm finding myself dull and lacking shine or even the green goo of toxic waste is bubbling quite, quite merrily away there? 
I'm just emphasizing that this is not, <laughs> this is not for condemnation. This is not, oh my word, I'm a failure. Look how much disappointment there is in my life. This is to say, God, I need your help here. God, I'm going after this. I'm not going to settle with this. And, and I just have this sense, really, that just the devil knows perhaps better than we do how amazing we are. And he does not want us to get a whiff and, a, and even a glimmer of that. But God has, a, God has a game plan and just holding up Jesus and seeing that he is our model. He is who God has created us to be. And we have the Holy Spirit inside us to make that happen. So don't let our identity be determined by our stronghold, by, sorry, by our circumstances which can become strongholds. We must look to God for a solution. So just um, some tools then really just to look at that. Really be ruthless with disappointment. If you find yourself struggling with hope, don't think, oh well, perhaps it'll be a bit better in the future. We've really got to go after this because it will erode, it will corrode, it will undermine everything that you're trying to do. Do not tolerate it. Don't think that hopelessness is anything to do with God's intention for you. Stuff happens, but it's identifying it and finding God come through even though the circumstances may not change. And it's just this sense we have. I think we're just too impatient. I think people in different generations knew that things took a long time. Now, you know, I can get a phone, iPad, whatever, and, and just whistle through and order stuff, and it's there the next day. And we just have this expectation that, you know, we can get things going, we can move things. And, and even when you think back to the Tower of Babel, they all gathered together. We can reach to heaven. And just this notion that we can do stuff and make it happen, but perseverance, patience is a gift of the Holy Spirit. There's something about God just allowing things to take the course that he's determined and our job to tie in with that. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He, he might know all the things that needed to be done, but he said, for now, I'm doing what I see the Father doing. And just that settling in and being, not lazy, this isn't a sort of la, 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 la message. It, it is, but it's the patience that comes with recognizing the moment and holding on to God when things don't look like God said they will be. So in the middle of mystery uncertainty, um, let us find God, let us find the God of hope, filling us with joy and peace in, the, in, in believing. Because um, as well, it doesn't depend on circumstances, it actually doesn't depend on our understanding. You won't get it. There's lots of things in life that I have just no idea why this is happening. No idea why this is happening to me, no idea why this is happening to my precious friends, family, whoever, no idea why this is happening to society. We're really calling on God for great things and yet, you know, it looks like it's getting worse. Hope does not depend on you understanding it. In fact, if you understand it, you don't need to hope then, do you? So hope is all about how you hold on in the mystery, how you hold on in the uncertainty. Really just as part of this, this conviction that it's the Holy Spirit at work that does this. This is not something that we can sort of summon up. So Holy Spirit is great for bringing the truth of Jesus and you can ask Holy Spirit, if you just think things are dull, there's no shine or, or glisten anywhere, but you don't know, say, Holy Spirit, are there any lies I'm believing? Any lies I'm believing about you? Any lies I'm believing about myself? Any lies I'm believing about other people? Ask Holy Spirit, and in his grace, he's not going to overwhelm you with a catalogue, you know. Okay, son, well, let's start here. This is where we're going. Um, and he'll just bring them along one at a time. And each time you're aware of something, say, Holy Spirit, what's the truth then? Holy Spirit, what truth will you give me 
to replace that line. Let's work at these things and, uh, and chip away at it. Um, I heard this quote about Henry Moore, the sculptor, and someone said, how can you get that block of stone and turn it into an elephant? And he just said, I just keep chipping away at everything that's not elephant. <laughs> and you've just got to have that. That's not right. That's not godly. That's a lie. I'm not sure what the truth is, but that's a lie. And let's just keep chipping away at the lies and let's see um, not elephant gone and elephant remain. Declarations are another good tool. And declarations are good for lots of reasons. Declarations can create an environment. They can create an atmosphere that's a good environment to listen about. They're also a good test if there's something there you know is true and you're struggling to say it. Hmm, perhaps there's a lie in there. Perhaps you are struggling because there's something else that you've got in. Which is the bigger truth? Is this declaration, this word from Scripture, some of the things that godly people have brought along, is that the big truth that every truth bows before, or is there another little truth that's trying to take its place? Praise is good for singing the truth, creating an environment, just orientating everything around the goodness of God. That is where we, we, we start from. I, I sometimes use computer analogies, and if you ever stuck with your computer, it's just not doing what it's supposed to do, and you phone up one of these helpline places, they usually say, well, let's reboot it, let's just turn it off and back on again, and just this control-alt-delete of, of how you deal with computers. And we can do that with our thinking. We think, well, there's a load of rubbish. Let's go back to basics. What do I know to be true? That God loves, God is love. If you're not even sure that God loves you, you can say that God is love. God is hope. God is good. Start from these and build up and go back to that place. Well, if everything else I don't know, I know this much and concentrate on that. So just sometimes you just have to, to reboot to what, what you do know. I put down this phrase here about rejoicing by habit, just making your normal, that you'll look for things. I've sort of trained myself over the years. If there's a green light or several green lights in a row, you know, thank you, Jesus. Um, if you get a parking space, you know, thank you, Jesus. Even we're remembering this, um, it rains quite a bit in the west of Scotland, doesn't it? And uh, you've got a choice. You, you know, you can just sort of head down, moan, grumble, shuffle on until you find a dry spot inside. Or you can just think everywhere else, rain is a blessing. God, thank you that we're not in the desert. And you just sort of choose. So whatever, rejoice always. Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And always is one of those interesting words. You can't get around it, can you? There's, there's nothing else. Rejoice when you're happy, rejoice when you're sad, rejoice when you're prospering, rejoice when you're not, rejoice when you get it, rejoice when you don't. There's always something you can thank God for. And it doesn't mean to say, thank you God that that bad thing happened. You find there's something, thank you God that used to love me. Thank you God that you've got a plan and a purpose for me. So rejoice by habit. Because most of this disappointment is attack on our thinking, we can train our thinking but further on in Philippians 4, verse 8, it says, Whatever is, and all of those good, pure, noble, of good report, think on these things. Where do we spend most of our thought time? Is it in a disappointment? Or is it finding good things to think about? Not denying what has happened, but training our thinking that most of our attention will be on good stuff. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, Love always hopes. Concentrating on your love for God, God's love for you, is a fertile ground that hope will grow from. 
Hope is based on the nature of God, so just hanging out with God, you're going to find yourself getting more hopeful. Um, it's one of those phrases I just love um, that Bill Johnson said, that I can't afford to have a thought in my head that isn't in Father's. So is that how God would think? Perhaps I shouldn't be thinking like that. And just having all of these thoughts coming into our head. So God is good, big T. Circumstances may be true, but they're a little t. And let's make sure that we look at the little t through the lens of the big T. So I'm done, let's just go after hopelessness. Let us not tolerate the toxic waste of disappointment. It happens. If you need help, we've got you know, a prayer team here. We would love to pray with you. But let's not live thinking that this is God's heart for us. Not just so that we get through a bit happier until Jesus rescues us. There's a hurting world out there. There are people who've lived with hopelessness for so long they don't even know what hope looks like. Let us be that glistening hope that's evident to all that sets this hurting world free. Amen.